Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.14 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 18th of November, 2019. This is episode 165 of Bitcoin and by Bitcoin. Oh, utterly disrespectful. I have never had a student talk to me that way. By Bitcoin. Are you always this stupid or is today a special occasion? By Bitcoin. Oh my God, every time you speak, I feel like my brain cells are committing suicide. One by one. By Bitcoin. I don't even want your apology. By Bitcoin. Don't ever say that to me again. Yeah, that one was from our good friend Nick Can't Mine. Pretty sure that that's not Nick in the video, and uh, I'll relate exactly what's going on here in a second. But uh, it, I kind of at first I thought it was, but uh, the way he's talking about that video now is I, I don't think it was actually him. If you do know what I'm talking about, then you know don't worry about it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, we had a tweet come over uh, this weekend from our good friend Nick Can't Mind on, on Twitter. That is at Nick N I K Can't Mind N I K K A N T M I N E. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. He he uh, shared a video of this college student, and the college student is taking a video of himself. It's very short. Uh, you heard most of the audio. I cut out the student's voice just for to you know try to get some lulls going on because, you know, it's Monday and Mondays normally suck. So might as well have a laugh. But, um, yeah, so this teacher, what it was, was apparently this student was in class and the teacher said something or the professor instructor, however, whatever you want to say and said something. And this kid apparently decided to reply with, okay, boomer (laughs) trolled her in meat space and she lost her shit. I mean, if you're going to lose your shit in public that easily, oh my God. Oh my God. Really? It couldn't have been a Ah, yeah, you're getting an F for that, buddy. You know, I mean, people, stop taking this okay boomer shit so seriously. It's funny, okay? I'm not all that pleased with the war between millennials and the boomers. I don't necessarily think that the boomers caused all your problems or all our problems or whatever. My father was a boomer. Actually, he... No, he technically was not a boomer. I, I keep forgetting that. He was he was old enough to be part of the greatest generation, the tail, the damn tail end of the g- greatest generation, but the the greatest generation, you know, the people that fought in World War II. Uh he like I said, he did not go to World War II. He was on the very, very, very tail end of that shit. Um, but what causes problems are not gener- are not generations, they are people. People are, you know, inhabit generations, and and we, I, I think we personally cause way too many problems by naming shit all the time. Naming generations p- basically puts everybody in a certain thing category into a filing cabinet, and now the different drawers in the filing cabinet can scream at each other because, hey, you're not the top drawer, you're the bottom drawer, you must have done this to me. Stop it. Also, what to stop? Stop being so pissed off about the OK Boomer thing. It's hilarious, and honestly, if you want to pull the teeth from something, just start using it like it's normal, okay? And if somebody gets offended, say, look, if you want to pull the teeth and all the energy out of this thing, then we have to be able to use it in a sentence. Believe me, ask me how I know. Okay, I'll tell you. I'm almost a Bitcoin maximalist. I'm as because I hold a bag of Litecoin, I can't technically be a Bitcoin maximalist. But after listening to the rest of the BBC Crypto Queen uh, podcast from, uh, oh, I can't remember his last name, Jamie, 
Uh, if you haven't heard it, uh, Google BBC, uh, the crypto queen, and you will, you will find this eight part series after listening to that. I finished it yesterday. I'm doubling down on if it's not Bitcoin, it's shitcoin, And I'm going to go ahead and add to that. It's a straight up scam. If it's not Bitcoin, it's a shitcoin and a straight up scam. They're scamming you out of your money. Stop doing it. Okay. So how does that relate here? Well, it relates because Vitalik is the one that coined the term Bitcoin maximalist and he did it in a derogatory manner. What happened? We pulled every single tooth out of that, out of that son of a bitch and made it our own. The same thing is kind of happening here, you know, or, or could happen here if you lit it and stop being so damn sensitive about things. My God. Now, this whole thing reminded me of a story from my high school days, specifically a private Christian school in the town that I grew up in. And I'll try to relate this fairly quickly and with effect. <clears throat> the doors of all the classrooms were mirror in, or basically think of the hall. You got the hallway, you got your lockers on either side, and then you got entryways or entry doors into the classrooms. The classrooms were essentially mirror images of each other, which means that when you went, uh, when you got past some lockers, there would be two doors right next to each other. And the left one, you went in to that door and you would turn to the left because the majority of the classroom was to your left. The one on the right, which was just inches away from the one on the left, you went in and you went to the right because most of the things were on the right. The point is, is that the doors were right close to each other. I mean, so close to each other that you could open the door of one and sneakily turn the doorknob of the other one, crank it open just a little bit, very silently, very silently. And then with all of your humanly might, slam that son of a bitch (laughs) so loud and pull your hand away. Be, have enough time to shut your door and go run to your seat. And when the instructor from the other class, pissed off as they were, and by God, they were pissed off, would open the door and see nothing but bright, shiny faces sitting in their desks. Did it happen just once? Oh, no. Oh, no, people. This happened for almost an entire school year. I'm not going to give his full name because I don't want to totally dox him. But David, I got to tell you, bro, that was some ballsy crap, man. (laughs) And the fact that you never got caught uh, and other people did it, too. But the majority was David. And it was fun to watch because I was in that class and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is going on. But they did it all the time. So there's your story. Your there's your story time for the day. Let's get into a little bit of community stuff right here. Jamison Lop is reminding us through a tweet he did yesterday. Bitcoin miners don't solve complicated math problems. They make a I don't know. He's got a whole a one with a whole ton of zeros behind it. Guesses per second at permutations of an 80-byte block header until they find one with a hash that has enough leading zeros. Not complicated, not a math problem, just a lot of hard work. Think that I think we should probably keep that in mind because we always fail to understand that it's really kind of not a math problem. I mean, I guess there is a case to be made that it is, but I tend to have a great amount of uh, respect for Mr. Lop because, well, it's Jameson Lop. And if you don't know who that is, you need to read through his Twitter feed and some of his other writings because you'll understand why it is that you should probably listen to him. Okay, um, let's get into. Oh, yep. You know what? That was the that was all of the community stuff. So let's roll on into the morning roundup. Okay, starting off the morning roundup with William Foxley. He's writing for Coindesk. And Coindesk has has apparently, they've revamped their website, so it looks like very, very different. So I'm having trouble finding the the date stamp here. It was, in fact, November the 15th at, oh, 2200 UTC. Not bad. Okay, okay. I, I like the UTC thing because 
it it's universal. So it's like, you know, now it's up to, to you guys to figure out where the hell you are, what time zone you're in and figure out what time it was that 22 UTC happened on November the 15th. Okay. Um, in the, so this is sort of a bit of news about how rats sense the sinking ship and start bailing out. Consensus strategy chief steps down to launch venture fund. Uh, speaking Friday at San Francisco's Transtech Conference, Cassatt said his fund is seeking to raise $50 million for its first round. Aligned will focus on emerging technologies, including artificial intelligence, healthcare, cryptocurrency, and blockchain, of course. According to the statement from Cassatt, who is that Sam Cassatt, the chief strategy officer or former whatever. In a blog post published Friday, Cassatt said the fund is designed to anticipate civilization scale evolutionary changes in human behavior. That's quite quite a, a bite you're taking off there, pal. Also backing aligned is Dharma Capital Managing Partner Andrew Keyes, another former consensus executive. The amount of Lubin and Keyes capital participation was not disclosed. Although wholly separate from consensus, Cassatt is looking to apply similar principles employed by his former firm, Cassatt said in a phone interview. While aligned is still in its infancy, Cassatt said it's looking into tackling societal issues such as safe artificial intelligence and mental health in the digital age. Quote, not only are we looking for that societal change, but we are noticing that institutions are no longer serving their purpose. Cassatt said, I think we are at a crisis point. Joining as an advisor to Aligned Capital is Nicole Bradford, the executive behind the Transformative Tech Lab, organizing the Friday event in San Francisco. Nicholas Paul Brzgowitz, the director of development at the Long Now Foundation, is also listed as an advisor. The Long Now Foundation is best known as the entity building the 10,000-year clock inside a mountain in western Texas. Angel investor Seth Goldstein will be a venture partner, Cassatt said. As to the new fund's long-term version, or vision, Cassatt offered this, quote, You can come up with a lot of things as to why something would make a lot of money. We are looking at where there are momentous stepwise changes. Yes, because you're all so good. Yeah, you know what? There's just a lot of people leaving consensus. And it was not a f- not more than a handful of days ago that somebody uh, tweeted a poll out that uh, was asking when they thought consensus was going to be completely out of cash. Most people said sometime in 2020. I actually said at the end of this year. So we'll, we shall see. Okay, lightning. Colin Harper, <clears throat> he's writing for Bitcoin Magazine November the 18th. That would be today on lightning. Messaging apps emerge as growing use case. Quote, does instant messaging over Lightning have killer application potential? End quote. Lightning Labs developer Juiced Jager asked, the, oh, sorry, Juiced Jaeger asked his Twitter followers this rhetorical when he debuted a demo for his Lightning Network messaging application, What's Sat? Your average Bitcoiner probably wouldn't think of messaging as one of Lightning's killer use cases, at least not before micropayments, streaming payments, and the like. For encrypted messaging, they likely default to options like Signal, Keybase, or Wire. These are certainly better than mainstream messaging apps like Facebook's Messenger or WhatsApp, whose encrypted options are thinly veiled save faces that don't offer much material confidentiality, but encrypted messages need to go further than privacy, Jaeger believes. They need censorship resistance too, and this is where lightning-powered messaging comes in. Quote, the encryption part is similar. In both systems, the message content is private, Jaeger told Bitcoin Magazine. The difference is that there is no central server involved, no single kill switch that could be used to shut down all communications, or that is used more selectively to deny certain users to communicate, end quote. The Lightning Network has supported messages from day one, same with Bitcoin's base layer. The Blockstream satellite has been used in experiments around Lightning-driven messages and private text messaging services have leveraged Lightning payments, but recent tweaks to the protocol now make it easier to attach additional data to a payment and pass it on to other applications using type length value payloads. Also known as a TLV payload. TLV payloads allow people using communication protocols to attach additional extraneous information onto a data packet. For WhatsApp, 
This extraneous data would be the message that is bolted onto a Lightning transaction. <clears throat> the update and that enabled TLV payloads paved the way for concepts like WhatsApp, which, alongside censorship resistance, could also make communications more private for end users, depending on how messages are sent or routed, Jaeger said. Quote, chatting over Lightning also makes it much harder to find out who is communicating with whom. It is not required to have. It is not required to have a direct, observable TCP/IP connection between users, and there is no central server either that could reconstruct the communication pathways. In quote, he told us, "Lightning-powered messages are onion-routed, just like information passing through the Tor network. The messages are shunted from node to node, and each node can only identify the node that sent it the information or the node next in queue to receive it." Now. If one entity runs the majority of the nodes in a pathway, pathway, they may be able to unmask the sender and receiver, Jaeger admitted. Quote, privacy and security are relative concepts, he continued. In some cases, then, it might be better for users to set up direct payment channels with each other. For example, if a spy or attacker wanted to de-anonymize, de uh, de oh, I'm just having a day, man. Uh, de-anonymize a user via node surveillance, then onion routing the payment may offer significantly less privacy depending on the route, as described above. In this case, a direct payment channel would be more private, but if the surveilling party were an internet service provider and tracking TCP IP addresses, then onion routing would be more private. Direct channels could pro uh, provide absolutely free messaging. However, something that some users might find a negligible benefit compared to a privacy to potential privacy trade-offs. For instance, Lightning messaging is already a free-to-use service. When one user sends another user a message, they have to attach it to a payment, but the recipient can reject this payment after opening the message. For WhatsApp, a return-to-sender message saying that the payment has been rejected serves as confirmation of the original message. <laughs> Oh, this is so cool. As with Lightning payments writ large, <clears throat> a fee market is likely to develop for the service to route messages when a direct channel is not open. This could be seen as one of the cons, Jaeger said, but it's also trade-offs some might be willing to accept for censorship-resistant confidential communication. Quote, there is the cost side, but there's also the benefit side. The weight of that is dependent on the awareness of users of the downsides of existing messaging systems. For most people, an imaginary world in which some authority can block two people from talking to each other in real life sounds like scary sci-fi, but it is where the vast majority of the users are at the current state of messaging in the digital domain, end quote. WhatsApp is currently on testnet and its source code is on GitHub, but don't expect a beta from Jaeger anytime soon. In our conversation, he mentioned that WhatsApp is only a proof of concept, a side project of his that isn't associated with lightning labs his employer it's his ho hope that the hobby project will inspire other people to start developing it further uh some developers have become to begun toying with lightning messaging though not from jaeger source code and they're close to launching a private beta sphinx chat which i've talked about before on this show for instance has been in motion for about a year project lead paul itoy <coughs> told Bitcoin Magazine that its team cobbled together a prototype for a Lightning Hackathon in New York 2018. At this year's Lightning Conference in Berlin, it released a very hacky version to a handful of users on test flight, Itoy told us, but they plan to drop a new beta version in the near future. You can register for the private beta on its website. Website is underlined, which means it's a link. Continuing. The application takes its name from Sphinx Protocol, an upgrade that Onion routes lightning transactions over a Tor-esque network. WhatsApp leverages the same protocol to achieve a certain degree of privacy, though it differs from Sphinx Chat in that it will offer free messaging within direct channels in addition to TLV payload messaging. Sphinx Chat is focusing solely on the latter. Quote, both are similar, but Jaeger's is designed to avoid fees since it uses a failed payment to deliver the message. This is currently free on LN. Sphinx inserts the message into the TLV and uses KeySend to deliver and standard fees will apply, end quote. TLV said, or sorry, TLV still has an extra step to go before it's production ready for mass messaging. However, for LND, the Lightning instance, <coughs> 
that Sphinx chat runs, the team will still needs to enable TLV messaging from the receiver's end. It can receive the data, but it has no way of processing it. Lightning Labs is tracking and working on the issue on GitHub, but until it's sorted out, Sphinx chat will rely on specific nodes hosted by Nodal to relay messages. Quote, we'll stay in beta on nodes we're hosting until those features are officially supported, Itoy told us. Once out of beta, though, Sphinx chat will be totally open source, he continued. At this point, node operators can establish fee markets for relaying messages, same as with WhatsApp. He also sees it as complementary application to Stackwork, a chore app that allows people to complete tasks for SATs. For example, workers can be notified and paid through Sphinx chat. Perhaps the first question that comes to mind with Lightning Network messaging why use any of these developments when we already have reliable encrypted messaging apps? Jaeger admitted that this is a definite con since Lightning is complicated compared to centralized service. Additionally, with a centralized system like Lightning, or sorry, a decentralized system like Lightning, it can be difficult to deliver the same user experience that people are used to. An example of this, which is just as valid for payments, is how to deliver a message to a user that is offline. Still, there are reasons why someone may prefer Lightning-based messaging options to more centralized alternatives. Because the Lightning network is decentralized, these options will be more censorship-resistant and resistant to service outages that result from single points of failure. Itoy, sorry, Itoy also views this development as indispensable for how it couples payments and communication as a single permissionless entity. The key benefit is integrating the ability to pay and communicate under one identity, he said. Our core belief, the privacy and censorship resistant that resistance that Lightning provides for payments, should equally apply to speech. That's important. Using Lightning for chat will accelerate the adoption of Bitcoin as a medium of exchange. This also opens up avenues for lightning-powered forums, which would theoretically reduce spam given that in Sphinx Chat's case, each message costs something. Chatting also needs to be limited to humans, Atoy believes. In the future, he envisions APIs and Internet of Things services or devices sending messages and payments to each other via lightning. So, sorry, Iota. <laughs> <coughs> Like many other burgeoning applications and features being built on Bitcoin, Lightning messages, messaging still has ways to go. Another question to consider besides usability is whether users will be willing to pay to chat. This model is reminiscent of the old days of pay-per-message, SMS. Though it will certainly be much cheaper, Lightning messages, messaging depends on how hard it is to route messages, could cost as little as a sat or less. Still, with the promise of cheap, confidential, and censorship-resistant messaging on the horizon, far off as it may be, Jaeger is optimistic in the future of this incipient use case. In, incipient, sorry. Quote, it is said, it, or sorry, it, it isn't said that a lightning-based messenger can't eventually match the ease of use of existing services. There surely is a ton of work to do, but I wouldn't say it is impossible. At the moment, people generally have no problem with existing messaging service, but that is today. The future may be different. Perhaps the existing messaging services change their business model. Perhaps some scandal happens in which huge amounts of metadata are leaked. I can't say how this will all develop, but I think it's good to explore alternatives, Jaeger explained. So, yeah, lots of uh, messaging stuff is is coming to lightning, and I'm really excited about this. I mean, and, and I agree. Am I going to use it? I don't know. I mean... It kind of, it, it just kind of depends. It, you know, at this point right now, <clears throat> you've got the entire, almost the entirety of the internet in Iran down because the government is basically just shit canned or at least that's what it was yesterday. So I saw a chart that showed Iran's internet usage plummet to about 7% of capacity. So I don't know if it's changed or not, but if you don't know, Iran has a bunch of protests going on. Would this help? No, not really. Not why? Well, because it kind of depends on the internet. Now, what I'm really excited about is hooking these messaging apps into mesh networks. <clears throat> can it be done? I'll bet you it can. Do I know that for sure? No. Would I bet money on it? Yeah, damn right I'd bet money on it. Why? I've seen people do things that I never even thought was possible before, especially in this space. And and I've seen people bring up things that 
we didn't even think about before. How on earth would I feel secure in saying that lightning messaging apps on top of mesh networks cannot happen? I would not feel comfortable saying that. So I'm looking forward to lightning messaging apps on mesh network that all you need is a battery, a small uh, solar panel to charge it, and a network of more than a handful of people. And all of a sudden you got yourself a fast deployment internet that tells people like the government of Iran to go screw. Jimmy Aki is writing November the 13th for Bitcoin Magazine. This is also about Lightning. Lightning Cashback wants to replace fiat change with Satoshis. As Bitcoin grows as a medium of exchange and Bitcoiners become all the more interested in stacking sats as part of their daily activity, services are popping up that merge the worlds of everyday brick-and-mortar retail and the original cryptocurrency. Lightning Cashback is the latest iteration of this trend, created specifically to bring Bitcoin into the retail experience and convert your loose change into sats. Lightning Cashback was developed as a proof of concept by a group of programmers, including Ruben Waterman, the founder of Dutch Bitcoin savings platform GetBitter, that's spelled G-E-T-B-I-T-T-R, and a Bitcoin enthusiast known as 21 is Enough on Twitter at Berlin's Lightning Conference in October of 2019. That's where 21 is enough was demoing his lightning ATM prototype, which he had shared with the world via Twitter on September the 8th, 2019. The device merged brown cardboard with payment processor BTC pay server and lightnings LND and kicked off a conversation between the developers that led to yet another innovation quote. We are discussing, or we were discussing that the lightning ATM is awesome for getting rid of coin change, which is still quite popular in Europe as the coins have quite a bit of value. Waterman told Bitcoin magazine, we both prefer to pay in cash for privacy reason, but hate the coins. But What if we could twist the idea, Waterman wondered. During Chainhack 4, a small Bitcoin hackathon in Lisbon, Portugal, on November the 8th to the 10th of 2019, Waterman, 21 is enough, and three other developers devised a new way of turning fiat change into Bitcoin. Why not have retail shoppers receive their pocket change as sats instead of coins? Thus, Lightning Cashback was born point-of-sale software that prints a QR code with receipts allowing customers to scan and receive their change for a purchase in sats via lightning after paying in fiat. 21 is enough. Posted a video of the innovation in action on Twitter along with a picture of the produced receipt. It uses LNTXT bot, a telegram bot and custodial lightning wallet to generate lightning URLs and change that can be claimed as sats via Bitcoin lightning wallet, blue wallet or wallet of Satoshi. Thus you have two lightning nodes, the point of sale system, and the user's phone wallet. Although this product is a proof of concept, it has great potential. 21 is enough said that the development team is working on expanding the solution's compatibility with several POS systems before potentially introducing it to retail businesses. Quote, we plan to investigate further potential POS systems that could be retrofitted with our solution. Potential merchants wouldn't want to migrate to a new POS system. Hence, we would need to find ways to integrate into existing ones. 21 is enough said. The Lightning Network is still young, but it's growing gradually, and this is not the only potential use case for greater retail adoption. Earlier this year, payment startup Fold announced an integration that allows users to buy gift cards that is redeemable at big-name retailers like Starbucks, Home Depot, and Uber. Moon also launched a browser extension where it serves as an intermediary that allows shoppers to make Lightning payments on Amazon and similar sites. Beyond e-commerce, Lightning is also being used in gaming. As previously reported by Bitcoin Magazine, Satoshi Games released Light Knight, a multiplayer third-player shooter game that only accepts Lightning payments. Light Knight is a freemium game that generates income through the sale of customization features. However, unlike other games that accept credit cards and gift cards, Light Knight only accepts sats via, sent via the Lightning Network, allowing users to enjoy both the gaming and customization experience without exposing data linked to their identity. So Lightning is just blowing up all over the damn place. Die for one could be none too more happy about it. 
Okay, here we got a boring one for you, but we might as well talk about it because this is Adrian Zmunski writing for Cointelegraph. Public statement aims to define the legal status of crypto assets in the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom Jurisdiction Task Force of the Law Tech Delivery Panel published a statement concerning the status of cryptocurrencies, distributed ledger technology, and smart contracts under English and Welsh private laws. UK Entrepreneur Network Tech Nation announced the paper's publication on November the 18th. The document attempts to address the legal uncertainties of cryptocurrency and recognizes crypto assets as tradable property and smart contracts as enforceable agreements under local law. LawTech Delivery Panel Director Jennifer Swallow noted that the worldwide smart contract market is expected to reach $300 million U.S. by 2023, while the World Economic Forum predicts that one-tenth of the global GDP will be stored on a blockchain by 2027. Oh, God. Due to this, she thinks adapting regulations on these new technologies is particularly important, stating, quote, It is great to see the adaptability of our common law system to fast-changing technology demonstrated in this landmark legal status from the UKJT. Tech Nation is excited to work with the Law Tech Delivery Panel on leading initiatives such as this to support business growth, clarity in law, and the evolution of new tech. End quote. Tech Nation notes that many believe legal uncertainty is the most significant barrier to cryptocurrency and smart contract adoption. The legal statement in question is reportedly a substantial step towards addressing the lack of regulatory clarity. Chancellor to the High Court and Chair of the UK Jurisdiction Task Force, Jeffrey Voss, also recognized the potential of crypto assets and smart contracts, saying, quote, In legal terms, crypto assets and smart contracts undoubtedly represent the future. I hope that the legal statement will go a long way toward providing much-needed market confidence, legal certainty, and predictability in areas that are of great importance to the technological and legal communities and to the global financial services industry, end quote. Per the report, the statement will serve as a foundation for the mainstream adoption of crypto assets and smart contracts in the United Kingdom and provide a strategic advantage to blockchain startups operating in the country. The Law Tech Delivery Panel is a team of industry experts and insiders from the government and judiciary space, which aims to help the growth of the UK's judiciary system. So there you go. I mean, not bad. This was, you know, this was actually done or written by Adrian sometime this morning. I don't know. It looks to me like this is good news. I think that common law is a great framework that we really, I don't know, we've muddied the waters with uh, just the the legal definition expansions and all these laws that just have been raining down on us when, generally speaking, most of the same problems we have today existed 400 years ago. It's just not in, you know, not in terms of electronics, but outside of that property is property. Get off my lawn. Here's why common law did. This is the kind of thing that, that actually kind of should be applied first. And then if it's like where a group of people are sitting around going, God, this just doesn't work. It doesn't have enough framework to handle X. Then you start figuring it out. But until then, just let you know, 600 or 800, godly knows how long, how old common law really is, but let the old stuff that we developed a long time ago, let, let it have a crack at it first. Okay. More FUD. Get ready for this amount of FUD or fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Martin Young writing this morning for Bitcoinist.com. Google branches into banking. Is it a threat to Bitcoin? Oh God, like I'm so sick of, will this kill Bitcoin questions? No, it won't. According to reports, Google has entered into a partnership with United States banking giant Citigroup in order to launch its own smart checking bank accounts. The account, codenamed Cash, C-A-C-H-E, my God, I thought you'd be more creative, will be available via Google Pay and mainstream media is already calling it a Bitcoin killer. No, it's not. The concept and details are still vague, according to the Financial Times, but they too are already touting it as the future of banking. It could be that customers just get access to slick Google-powered platform with a traditional bank account bootstrapped to it. Google is not the first tech giant angling for a slice of the lucrative financial pie, and it won't be the last. 
The firm clearly sees Facebook as a major threat with its crypto domination ambitions. Considering the huge wall of resistance the social media company has met from global regulators and politicians, Google is taking a more traditional approach in partnering with a well-established bank. Google executive Cesar Sangupta told the Wall Street Journal, quote, our approach is going to be to partner deeply with banks in the financial system. It may be the slightly longer path, but it's more sustainable. The report hinted that the search and advertising giant was more interested in the information associated with checking accounts, such as salaries and shopping habits. Trust will be a key issue here as Google and Facebook both make immense profits from people's personal data. So finance is the next logical step for them to expand on. Sengupta added that the internet monopoly wouldn't sell checking account users financial data and that it doesn't use Google Pay data for advertising purposes. Bullshit. Just like Facebook, this response has been expected, especially when they're trying to launch a new product line and mistrust in tech giants is at an all-time high. It is for this reason that there that there is no threat to Bitcoin whatsoever. Oh, good. I'm glad that the author has got it figured out already. If anything, Google delving into banking will strengthen the narrative and need for a decentralized global currency. Forbes, as usual, has been barking up the wrong digital tree, claiming that Google bank accounts could be a bigger threat than quantum computing. But nothing could be further from the truth. Bitcoin continues to operate in an entirely different sphere of, of finance than traditional banking, not to mention its highly unlikely investors in the leading cryptocurrency will want to pile out of the asset and move funds into new Google checking accounts checking account. Google and a checking account is probably one of the worst ideas you as a private citizen could ever even consider. I wouldn't do it. Why would you? Helen Parts is writing for Cointelegraph. (laughs) Maker launches new die today, expects to phase out old die in months. We'll get into it. Decentralized Autonomous Organization Maker will launch a new type of DAI stablecoin today. Known as multi-collateral DAI, this new type of DAI will be backed by several types of collateral in contrast to the existing single collateral DAI. Oh, bad, bad. Which is now, which now will be called SAI. S-A-I. It's a ninja weapon. While Maker previously announced the new protocol in October, the firm provided an update in the upcoming changes in DAI in a post on November the 18th. That would be today. As per the announcement, the launch of MCD will not require any action from DAI users today. Maker said it will be monitoring developments closely and will update users when action is required. I'm going to stop right there for a sec. This is why I Bitcoin. The only action required of me at this point, other than you should run a node, but other than that, somebody forks Bitcoin. I, I, I've, I have, there's probably 15 forks of Bitcoin that I know nothing about because I don't give a shit. It doesn't affect my Bitcoin. If I want to, if I wanted to go through the, the, the crap of going to get my coins, then at that point it's called temporal vampirism. That means it's a time vampire. As if I need anything else in my life that's put on me by a freaking third party to suck any more seconds out of my life as it is. No, I don't need this. I I see when your when your coins scream at you at any given time that if like um uh Matt Uh, Matt and Marty suggest the man in the coma. What if the man in the coma has die, can't do a damn thing about it when action is required? Why would you keep any, any wealth of yours in something like that? See, this is where gold has it on most. Uh, actually, if it's not Bitcoin, it's shitcoin and a straight up scam and can easily just, you just buy gold or silver at that point. I don't have a problem with gold or gold and silver. I really don't. But one of the thing, one of the elements of gold and silver is, is that it requires me to do damn near nothing. Gold doesn't one day wake me up out of a cold, dead sleep and say, you know what, we're changing, we're changing uh, quantum mechanics in the universe. And if you don't get your gold out of cold storage and have it in this, uh, this thing where we can convert it over, see that shit doesn't happen. I'm telling you, 
If it's not Bitcoin, it's a straight up scam, whether the people that started it know it or not. And it's because of crap like this. Everybody was talking all kinds of good about the die. And here we are, just like Ethereum. <clears throat> Joseph Lubin told us they knew all along that Ethereum couldn't scale. So here's Ethereum 2.0. Now, die, as everybody's been screaming about, now apparently it's not good enough. So here's die 2.0. Do you see a pattern? If you cannot see a pattern in this, I cannot help you. But I would rather buy gold than anything other than Bitcoin because I don't have to screw with either one of them continuing. Maker plans to gradually phase out Psy. While Maker does not have an exact date for the full shift to MCD and expects it to come in several months from the launch, the startup said it will help users convert their Psy to MCD in advance, according to the post. Specifically, DAI users will be able to convert their SCD to MCD via the Argent wallet soon after November 18th, Maker noted. According to an Argent tweet today, the PsyDAI conversion feature will be released in the coming weeks. Additionally, to the new DAI will be available on the com uh, Compound protocol, which will allow users to earn interest from holding DAI tokens. In order to start earning interest from DAI, users will have to remove their old DAI from Compound and move it to converted MCD back into Compound Maker. Explain. Well, blah, 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 blah. I'm not even going to finish this. There's two other paragraphs, and it's bull. Stop it. I'm telling you, man, if it's not Bitcoin, it's a straight up scam. Okay, so let's see. What, what else have we got left? We're running a little bit long. Is there any? Oh, yeah, we'll do this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the BBC uh, Crypto Queen podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, <clears throat> it's very worth it. It's not exactly eight hours long, but... You know, because I think some of the episodes are like 30 minutes. There's a couple that are over an hour. You, you've got to. It's fascinating. It's the fascinating what's going on, what happened with OneCoin. And I remember OneCoin. OneCoin was going to kill. It was a Bitcoin killer. And then all of a sudden, it. I just didn't hear anything about it again. And now I kind of know why. So this story that I'm about to read you has has uh, implications on this. Mar uh, Marie Huliet is writing for Cointelegraph. She's doing this this morning. George Bush's brother got $300,000 for meeting with OneCoin's crypto queen. Neil Bush is alleged to have received 300 k to attend a meeting involving OneCoin co-founder Ruja Ignatova. As Law 360 reported on November the 15th, testimony in the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York contained allegations against Neil Bush, brother of former President George W. Bush and son of the late President George H.W. Bush. As Cointelegraph has reported, OneCoin is among the cryptocurrencies or crypto industry's most infamous alleged exit scams. Founded in 2014, the Bulgaria-based firm remains fully operational to date, despite investigators' allegations that it raised 4 billion euros in a Ponzi scheme. Crypto Queen Ignatova is the sister of OneCoin co-founder Konstantin Ignatova, who signed a guilty plea in connection with the alleged fraud on October the 4th and now faces up to 90 years in jail. Jeez, and that's after a plea deal, people. He's going to get 90 years after a plea deal. Could you imagine how bad it would have been without the plea deal? Ignatova has been indicted on charges of money laundering and fraud, but remains on the run. As Law 360 reports, for former Lock Lord LLP attorney Mark Scott is currently standing trial for allegedly conspiring with Ignatova and her brother on OneCoin. He maintains that he believed the scheme was legal. Neil Bush, a businessman, had been interviewed by the FBI due to his role as a board member in Huifu Energy, which is owned by wealthy Chinese businessman Dr. Hui Chi Ming. One of Dr. Ming's companies is alleged to have pursued a $60 million loan to buy an African oil field, and Scott's counsel has subsequently argued that Bush's indirect involvement with the deal contributed to Scott's feeling confident enough to transact with those behind it. The oil field deal was to be financed in cash and a very large portion of the purchase price in one coin. Details of the FBI's interview with Bush were heard at the trial with Gavin uh, Garvin stating, quote, 
Bush recalled that the head of Huifu Energy, Dr. Hui Chi Ming, received a bunch of cryptocurrency for an oil deal in Madagascar. Bush had a residual interest in the cryptocurrency from the oil deal. Bush met <coughs> the woman from the cryptocurrency company Ruja Ignatova in Hong Kong with Dr. Hui. At the trial, in quote, at the trial, Judge Ramos is reported to have asked Scott's counsel, David Garvin, quote, so there was an actual meeting with Miss Ignatova and Mr. Bush and Mr. Hui, end quote. Garvin affirmed the meeting, noting that Bush was paid 300K for his participation. The FBI's report allegedly noted that Hui had pledged Bush 10% of the sale if Hui was able to sell the cryptocurrency, yet the deal ultimately fell apart. The judge has quashed calls for Bush himself to testify before the court, heeding the argument made by Bush's counsel that it would not be relevant given that Bush was not on the board of the specific Hui company involved in the sale. The judge further concurred that Bush's testimony would not add anything further to what was already included in the FBI's report. As reported, Ignatova testified on uh, November the 6th that after his sister fled, the security personnel who accompanied her told him that she had met with Russian speakers. This has led to investigative journalists to subsequently allege that she has the support and protection of an unnamed rich and powerful Russian person. It always goes back to Russia. So Bush now getting tangled up into the one coin thing, although I got to agree his involvement he probably doesn't even know what the hell one coin is. He probably dismissed it. The only thing that's weird about this, and this is just because I don't exist in these circles, is how the hell do you get paid to be at a meeting? It's like, hey, come eat lunch with us. Okay, well, my, my fee is $300,000 for an hour's long lunch. See, I don't get that. I just don't get that. Anyway, that's going to do it for your morning roundup. Vitals, you want them. I got them. We got Bitcoin at a price of 8530 We've got a high. Holy crap. I, I have not seen this much of a spread in a very long time. The high is 8920 over at Coinsbit, and I got a low at HitBTC at 8404 So we're talking about a 500-point yeah, spread. Wow. Haven't seen that in a long time. 308,000, uh, 309,000 transactions have been made over the last 24 hours with the average transactions per hour being about 13,000. 1.1 million BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours with about 45,000 BTC being sent per hour on average. Average transaction value is 3.6 BTC while the median is 0.02 BTC or about 172 bucks. Block times are one minute low. It's pegged right at nine minutes. We have 0.14 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 22.6 BTC being taken in fees overall. We've had a 12% or 12.5% increase in hash rate in the last 24 hours, and that brings us to over 100, and we're sitting at 102 exahashes per second. Let's see. Oh, yeah, uh, last... Uh, uh, update to the code for Bitcoin was done sometime yesterday. Ethereum at 185, Bcash at 260, uh, Litecoin at 58.69, BSV is at 122.41, Ethereum Classic is at 4.6, Dogecoin got a bump, 0 0.0028. At 25,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, Dogecoin is the last. Even Litecoin is beating it at 33,000. Oh, wow. Th that's interesting, though. Litecoin is actually beating Bitcoin Cash this morning. Bcash uh, has 30,500. Litecoin has 33,300. So nice. All right. Let's see. We got Mempool coming up here. We are... Oh, okay. So the Mempool, which was really congested uh on uh Friday by on Friday when I did Friday show it was I think I had it at 99 blocks deep and like somewhere around I don't know multiple thousands of transactions it looks like it's all been cleared up <clears throat> and everybody who was worried about the fud well I don't know I guess we're never going to learn 
Uh, we are only four blocks deep into the mempool today, and we have only 7,000 unconfirmed transactions, which means, of course, that Bitcoin is going to die because nobody's using it. After a weekend of everybody's using it and it can't and it's congested and we're all going to die because whatever. So again, you just can't win dot gif. We have nothing but pretty much over one megabyte blocks. I can't see anything that's under one megabyte. So good for us. Lightning Network. <clears throat> we are closing in on 10,500 nodes. We are currently at 10,476 Lightning Nodes. We have 826 BTC on the chain for capacity. That's about $7 million US. We have 13 new nodes that have come online in the 20, past 24 hours. That's an 8% increase. And we have 147 brand spanking new diaper wearing channels. That's 35% increase over the last 24 hours. That's going to do it for Vitals. We're going to slow it down for today's song of the day. We're going to go with a little bit of Pink Floyd. We're going to go with some old Pink Floyd guys. Even I was a baby around this time, man. Uh, we're going to do one from uh, Pink Floyd's album, 1971 album, Metal. That is spelled M-E-D-D-L-E. It is the last album of what I call their drugged out LSD fueled uh, phase of music writing. That was like everything from Piper at the Gates of Dawn all the way up to metal and including metal. It was after that. And I'm, I kind of want to say, you know, I kind of don't want to say they were all that way, but there was a clear, there's a clear delineation between what came before uh, or metal and what came before it and then Dark Side of the Moon and what came after. To me, that is a clear delineation marker in the in in or at least one of them. There's at least two in the life of the band Pink Floyd. Everything that came before that was wow, man, very weird. And if you actually sit down and and try to listen to the original Piper at the Gates of Dawn, very difficult listening. Um, I mean, you thought jazz was bad. Oh no. Oh, buddy, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. But this, uh, this album, I guess, you know, yeah, I guess it could be interstitial, but I don't include it as such. However, that said, one of my very favorite Pink Floyd songs comes from this album. And, um, and it, you know, it should kind of, it's a good song for Monday because we're going to come into a lot of FUD. We're going to come into a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And honestly, you should just be fearless.
Daily Train Wrecked brought to you by KT Reskowski or Carol Trezowski. I don't know, man. Some guy who is saying it's not a split. It's a protocol update. The block with the old rules was added by accident. Nobody will continue mining on that. Quit fudding. Uh, so what's this nonsense about? I'll give you a guess. It's about Bcash. So let's get into this one. This is William Foxley writing for Coindesk's November the 15th. As Bitcoin Cash hard forks, unknown mining pool continues on old chain. A rogue chain is developed during a planned Bitcoin Cash hard fork as an unknown mining pool failed to update to the new chain software. The ongoing chain battle, which should be resolved by Bitcoin Cash's internal rules, gives an insider look into how proof-of-work consensus mechanisms operate. The hard fork occurred on Friday at 1649 UTC at block number 609135. Two additional blocks broke into two different chains that have been mined for a total of four new blocks, according to BitMEX Research's fork monitor. The old chain, Bitcoin ABC 019.9, mined by the unknown pool, considers the new chain invalid, while the new chain, Bitcoin ABC 0.20.06, mined by miningpoolbtc.com, considers the old chain invalid. But under the Nakamoto consensus mechanism employed by Bcash and other proof-of-work protocols, the chain with the longest history would be considered to be the trusted ledger invalidating the rogue chain. Seeing old chains continued has, continue has happened before as some miners who run software that creates the blocks forming the chain forget to upgrade to the new software required for hard forks before the forking date. As BitMEX Research noted in a tweet, mining the wrong chain comes at a cost. The opportunity cost for mining the incorrect chain could reach up to 25 BCH or about $6,600 if the unknown pool had beat other miners in securing the two correct blocks, in addition to the electricity cost associated with mining. Yeah, I know, it's not the greatest train wreck, but it does illustrate an issue that just keeps on happening with uh, with Bcash and BSV is that they're just they're just inferior products. I, they're inferior systems run by people with, an, in, with, in my opinion, a, a very inferior, mora- inferior morality and ethics set. These guys suck. And they've sucked all these people into buying their, their token, and then they keep having these problems. Now, has Bitcoin had these problems before? Yes. Yes, they have. <clears throat> but this is always occurring with these, with these jokers. And again, like the whole DAO 1.0 or DAI 1.0 and DAI 2.0 and ETH 1 and now it's going to be ETH 2, you have to constantly, constantly be on your guard. And again, why would you invest your wealth in something that you constantly, uh, you can't do anything else. You can't go to the grocery store, apparently. You can't, I don't know, study about other investing opportunities because you continuously have to monitor when your coins are going to become invalidated. Is that what you really want? Again, I'm going to double down. If it's not Bitcoin, it is a shit coin and a straight-up scam. It's a straight-up scam. So... Not investing advice, but if you are going to invest, please invest wisely. There's your smoldering pile. Today's Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by my wife. Well, kind of. I'm for the most part, it's my wife. I, I rewrote this thing uh, so that it would fit into a tweet because it was, you know, sort of a discussion. We were out shot doing a little bit of shopping and getting some uh, window shopping for Christmas and whatnot like that. And, uh, well, it, here it is. I went to go buy a camouflage jacket, but I never saw any. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. Okay. So we're going to get, we're do the out for Monday. Uh, lots of weirdness going on as usual. I, I, you know, it could be worse, could be boring, I suppose, but 
the FUD is coming. It's, it's going to just be relentless. Uh, we, you know, had, had that whole, uh, uh, Bitcoin drop over the weekend and Friday and whatnot. And we're, it's just been bouncing around. People are calling for 7,400. I don't know, you know, my butt from a hole in the ground as far as TA is concerned well enough to whether or not I believe that or what, but that's the word on the street is 7,400. Ask me if I care. I kind of don't. Uh, also again, the, the BBC, uh, crypto queen podcast series, um, I've got to shill it again because it's it not, I mean, it's really good. The, the guy that produced it and, you know, or the producer and uh, the guy that uh, uh, is the voice, Jamie, they did a really good job. They did a, an astounding job in the face of what became, started to get kind of scary. And if you listen to the podcast, you'll know exactly what I mean. It got a little, a little rough, man, uh, a little rough. So, um, now Bush has been kind of dragged into it, or at least the name is. I guarantee you this one coin scam has has threads and tentacles all over the place. Now one uh, it's not a spoiler, but one of the things that have been has been uncovered in that um, in that podcast episode or those podcast episodes is the extent of the money we're talking about. Now, when it first came out, uh, the news started about one coin started coming back in and the number is about $4.4 billion United States denominated currency flowed into one coin, uh, until I guess Ignatova's departure sometime in, uh, I can't remember exactly what month, but 2017, well, that number could actually be anywhere between 15 and 20 billion euros. All right. Keep that in mind because some of the some of the guests or some of the people interviewed on that show were saying, oh, no, that four point four billion. No, no, no. That was just out of this particular group. We they haven't even talked about China. And yeah, it's this thing is probably going to be one of those zombie stories like like Mt. Gox, Quadriga CX, except it's much, much bigger now there was a story I was going to read, but it's, you know, 100% pure shit coinery. So I decided not to, but I'll mention it here. There is a coin that is set to IP or some company coin, something like that, that is set to IPO. And its name is one connect one connect all one word one connect. Why is that funny? If you don't know why it's funny, I'll tell you. One coin very well may be multiples of of horror bigger than the next biggest scam that we knew about, which was BitConnect. One coin, BitConnect, one connect. What could possibly go wrong? We'll find out on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.